Welcome to my mommy's podcast. This episode is sponsored by Onnit. That's O-N-N-I-T. You know those times when you're so into what you're doing that you can't think about anything else? The times when you're at your most focused and productive? Psychologists call that feeling of being in the zone. They call it flow state. And Alpha Brain from Onnit is the ultimate way to get there. It's a world-renowned nootropic supplement with over 1 million bottles sold. And Alpha Brain promotes cognitive functions, including memory, mental speed, and focus. It can help you remember names, zero in on complex tasks, and think more clearly under stress, which is what I find it most helpful for. Alpha Brain contains amino acids and plant compounds that promote the brain's release of alpha waves, which are associated with greater creativity and productivity. At the same time, it supports neurotransmitters, which are chemicals that relay information in and from the brain. In coffee and energy drinks that make you jittery, you can rest easy knowing that Alpha Brain is caffeine free. And if for any reason you don't like Alpha Brain, you get your money back. Just give them two weeks. If at any point you don't feel like it's a fit for you, just tell them why and they'll refund you on the spot, no return necessary. And right now you can save 30% on Alpha Brain when you go to onnit.com slash wellnessmama. That's O-N-N-I-T dot com slash wellness mama and the discount is built in at that link this podcast is brought to you by inside tracker i'm loving this because we now have access to more data about our health than we ever had but sometimes it's hard to know what to do with all the data and that's why inside tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build strength speed recovery and optimize your health for the long haul based on your own data it's created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. And Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, your DNA, and your fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplements for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or your Garmin, you'll also unlock real-time recovery pro chips after you complete a workout. It's like having a personal trainer and a nutritionist in your pocket to interpret all that data and give you recommendations that are best for you. And for a limited time, you can get 20% off everything in the Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash wellnessmama. That's insidetracker.com slash wellnessmama. Hello, and welcome to the Wellness Mama podcast. I'm Katie from wellnessmama.com and wellness. Dot com. That's wellness with an E on the end. And I'm here today with return guest Sean Wells, who is a friend. And he's also an expert in a lot of different things. He's known as the world's leading nutritional biochemist and an expert on many areas of health optimization. He has formulated over 700 supplements, foods, beverages, and cosmeceuticals and patented over 20 ingredients. And he's worked with many companies done a lot of research in the fields of anti-aging and mitochondrial health. And in this episode, we go deep on supplements for women and some easy and inexpensive ways to improve your health. Uh, we start with talking about the experience that drastically shifted his own life and helped him find self-love. We talk about important caveats for women when it comes to supplementation, why most research on supplements is done on young males, and what to understand if you aren't in this group, the things women have a greater need for and can benefit from supplementing. We talk about protein requirements for women, what it means for protein to be thermogenic, why women need to gain more muscle and why this won't make us bulky, what leucine is and why it's important. We talk about the caveats of creatine for women and how it can be used to slow aging. The surprising benefits of a substance you probably have in your kitchen right now that's almost free that enhances performance and may reduce disease risk. 
why 75% of the population is deficient in magnesium, his take on hormone health supplements. We talk about some more caveated ones like spermidine and niacin, NAD, NMN, physetin, CoQ10, PQQ, and ergothionine. So lots and lots of information in this episode. I know that you will learn a lot. So let's join Sean. Sean, welcome back. Hey, thanks for having me, Katie. It's always so fun to talk to you and I always learn so much. And I am, we're going to go in a lot of directions related to supplements for women because I get asked often what I take and why. And I think there's so much caveat and personalization that's important to understand before you just start taking things. But before we jump into that, I have a note from you that you've done more than 50 plant medicine journeys. And I've started opening up a little bit about my experience with that and trauma recovery, but I would just love to hear of your experience. Which one was kind of the most profound for you or were there any that stood out? Uh, wow. Um, they each have their own nuance and experience and effects. I'm actually talking about this quite a bit in, in a number of presentations coming up on a number of conferences. I, I have a whole uh, psychedelic science and the supplements that support them talk that I've been doing. But the first one is the most profound. And I think this is the case for most people that my first journey was a psilocybin journey and everything shifted for me. And I think that that first time that you're cracked open is just so profound. And, and I would imagine that's the case for most people, but for me, I had lacked self-love, like pretty, I was pretty harsh on myself. And I think a lot of people are, are really harsh on themselves. And, and uh, the, the inner critic was fierce with me. And, you know, I grew up in a, in a way that was, that was quite difficult uh, along those lines. And I think back in, you know, as an entrepreneur, you know, you're driven, your imposter syndrome, insecurity, you know, fears. And for me, self-love was never in the equation. And therefore, I never really had actual love with another partner either. I've been married a long time and she's an amazing person. But for me, because self-love wasn't there, I, I don't think I ever had a, a true uh, love with another partner. And so being in that space and feeling cracked open like that, I felt like love was possible for myself, for another. That was, that was profound for me. And I think I spent a lot of my life up until that point in the grind, the hustle and the grind. And I was always heads down trying to get to the next spot, trying to get to the next finish line but it was never good enough and it was never a point of celebration. And in that space, I realized that I could be happy. I could just do the things that I want to do, the things that light me up instead of just racing for this finish line to prove myself. So I think there was just a lot of release of, of proving myself, of not thinking I was good enough. There was a shift towards love and, and wanting love in my life. Um, so that was, that was really profound for me. So well said. And I think you're right. I think there are a lot of ways to hopefully get to that point of self-love, but it is so important for all of us. And I think these substances can kind of make that process faster or you know less linear. It can kind of be a jump. Whereas I think 
you know, people who aren't open to that, there are other ways, of course, to get there. But I'm glad it's being talked about and people are understanding the importance of that because you can't give what you don't have, including love. And that's a beautiful way that you said it. You are also an expert in many, many things. And among them, you're known as the world's best formulator. And we've talked a little bit in past episodes about some very specific things within that category. But I was at an event and I got to hear you speak specific to supplements for women. And I knew I wanted to have you on and kind of deep dive into that for the audience, because I think there's some important caveats and things to understand. And of course, so much marketing in the supplement industry that makes you think you need to take everything out there all the time. And uh, I also know, for instance, that women weren't even included in a lot of medical research until the 90s. And so there is less data when it comes to supplements for women. And I know you've done extensive research on this. And so at that event, you kind of went through a list of what you would consider um, top supplements that are generally good for women. And of course, there will be caveats within those categories. But um, to just start really broad, maybe walk us through if there's any differences we need to be aware of, even when considering supplementation, and then maybe take us through the first few of those that you kind of widely recommend. Yeah, that's a great question. And, and when I get quite a bit, and to your point about uh, women not being in studies, that is, there's a massive disparity there. And I think, you know, the general consensus is, well, women are more complicated. So let's not in- introduce that X factor of the menstrual cycle of, you know, some of those kinds of things. I would also say, and it sounds vastly unfair, but to, to take that even another step further, even people our age really aren't represented. Um, so it's mostly college age males, like 18 to 24 years old that are in these studies. So you do have to take that into account when we're talking about research, we're talking about very healthy, uh, young, fit males. And we're not talking about people that that are in their 30s, their 40s, their 50s, people with disease processes, people potentially of of different ethnicities and certainly of different genders. So there is a disparity of research there, and a lot of it has to do with just availability. But going into what supplements uh, I would speak broadly to, I think, you know, women, you can talk about uh, certainly supporting you know, a greater need for bone mineral density, a greater need for uh, getting enough protein in both muscle protein and the rest of the full body protein. So I'm talking about things like collagen, which is about a third of the protein in your body. And then the other two thirds would be the muscle that, that supports it. So getting like a high leucine protein, we can get into the specifics, but, you know, and then looking at things like certainly Uh, related to blood um, and support around that would be iron, B12, folate, um, some of these things that so we can avoid anemia, which is a situation that many women that are in uh, that don't realize that they're in, that they're anemic, that they're tired and they're fatigued because they don't have, you know, proper support there. So those are some things. And then you know, I can get into, I think women shy away from uh, ingredients like creatine, which not only can support muscle mass, but can support bone mass, brain health, uh, reproductive health. It's really one of the most profound ingredients uh, on the market, but we can, we can delve into each of those. Awesome. So let's start with protein, because I think this is a really important topic, especially for women, because it seems like in a lot of the mainstream information, at least in the past, um, 
maybe guys got the message about protein being more important and women still, there's tends to be kind of a shying away from eating too much or eating too much protein. And diet culture has kind of conditioned a lot of women to kind of have that deprivation mindset and be afraid of food, afraid of calories, afraid of eating too much. And of course, that myth that women are going to somehow get bulky if they eat protein and touch weights one time. And I, I know this was a big pivotal thing for me, actually, in my own weight loss. I realized I was chronically under eating and I had damaged my metabolism by under eating for so long. And I actually, both through working through trauma, similar to your experience, and then increasing but changing the macros and the micronutrients of the calories I was eating, lost weight by over time eating more. But I think there's still some misinformation when it comes to protein need and specifically for women. So let's talk about maybe some general guidelines of how much protein, what kind, timing, any other caveats that come into play there. Yeah, there's, um, there's recommendations of one gram per kilogram, but I like really even going towards like one gram per pound it can be as much as that. So leaning heavily on protein, it's really the most effective macronutrient. When you're looking at carbs, protein, fat, it's the most satiating nutrient. It's the most important nutrient in terms of uh, it being thermogenic. And also it's going to support that, that muscle mass. It's so critical. When we look at mortality and uh, aging, healthy aging, muscle mass and strength are the two most important determinants. Uh, we look at uh, grip strength is probably the most important determinant of how we're aging. So certainly, and there's an interplay between bone mass and muscle mass. The more muscle mass you have, the more bone mineral density you have, and you can support that muscle, but there's an interplay back and forth. So having the muscle, being active with the muscle, it's critical. Um, and certainly getting your protein in is going to be critical as well. But again, there's different proteins that we want to look at. So if we're looking at muscle, we're looking at things like whey protein. And if you're vegan, you know, there's other options as well. We can look at uh, pumpkin seed protein. We can look at rice protein, et cetera. Whey protein is very popular because it's high in BCAAs and in particular leucine. Leucine is an amino acid that drives muscle protein synthesis. And this is the anabolism or the growth or maintenance of muscle. And so if people are not eating enough protein or they're not getting enough leucine in that protein, they're not going to optimize muscle protein synthesis. And that means they won't be able to maintain lean body mass. So this is why it's important to not just get enough protein, but to get what's called boluses of protein, meaning larger amounts of protein pulse throughout the day. So we wouldn't just want to get said differently. We wouldn't just want to get five to 10 grams of protein, you know, 10 times a day. What we want is 25 to 50 grams of protein in spikes throughout the day. So we're optimizing muscle protein synthesis. We're getting enough leucine to turn that on and support that muscle. And then with that, I also believe getting around 20 grams of collagen, maybe twice a day is ideal as well, because then you're supporting all the other protein. You're supporting ligaments, tendons, hair, skin, gut, nails, bone, all of this other protein that's important that supports that, that muscle and the rest of your body. 
So that would be the ideal blend is to be getting, you know, something like um, 25 grams of whey protein and 20 grams of collagen in a day. I love that you brought up grip strength as well, because this is a thing that I feel like is not well known, but it's actually a really fascinating, like you said, predictor of longevity and tells you a lot about what's going on with your muscles and your nervous system. And mm -hmm. I have a an inexpensive grip strength tester that I ordered on Amazon. And it's been really fun to see as I have gotten stronger and as I've purposely made sure my nervous system was kind of in a good place, how my grip strength has gone up from like 80 to now 140. And that's a really cool thing we can measure at home that actually has a pretty profound window of potential longevity factors. Oh, it's amazing. And and you're absolutely right. It has everything to do with your nervous system and what's called um, you know, the the neuromuscular connection there. So, you know, people talk about mind muscle connection when you're in the gym and your nervous system is going to recruit muscle fibers. So, strength isn't always indicative of how much muscle you have, it's how you can recruit the muscle you have. So that's a, that's a really important factor is your nervous system as it's connected to your brain, as it's connected to your muscle and how well can you recruit that uh, muscle? And that's where we learn how to use these muscles. And like, for example, maybe when you first started going to the gym, you know, you couldn't flex every bit of your muscle the right way. You couldn't activate that muscle the right way. For example, like right now I could, you know, make my pecs, you know, jump like that, you know, sometimes you see on TV and it's funny, but that's through the use of my pectoral muscles, the chest muscles through push-ups, through bench press, through some of these different exercises, I gained the ability to recruit that muscle and activate it through my neurological system. And so that's where a lot of strength comes from is not the amount of like the, the full muscle mass. Like you see all these bodybuilders, they may have three times the amount of muscle mass I have, but they have one and a half times the strength. And it's because it's not all just the amount of muscle mass. It's really how you recruit it. Which I think is helpful for women to understand too, because that does not mean you're going to get bulky to your point by getting stronger. In fact, a lot of women find they get smaller and leaner when they use those muscles more effectively. And you also mentioned creatine, which is, I think, a thing that is obviously very well researched. And I think a lot of women are still kind of, they shy away from because maybe they heard that you might gain a couple of pounds of water weight when you first start taking creatine, or it's kind of thought of as more guy supplement or like a gym bro type thing. But the data seems very, very strong to me on this. So can you kind of give us a primer on creatine? Are there any risks? How much should women take? Any other caveats there? Yeah, so creatine is a combination of amino acids and it helps create phosphocreatine in the body, which is an energetic compound. And so um, that's going to create high energy phosphates, which helps with the generation of, of power and strength. But from there, this is also super important as a buffer in a number of systems in the body. And so that we find that it's helping with not just, we thought muscle and, and protecting muscle and improving strength and power, but also it's helping with bone health and reproductive health and eye health. And it's, it's quite a fascinating compound. And I believe it will be one of these uh, tent poles on, on how we age is taking creatine. 
and certainly protecting against sarcopenia, which is the, the loss of muscle mass as we age. But again, just so important in a number of systems. And we're seeing this like uh, bicarbonate is, you know, which is baking soda. This is another ingredient as a buffer that we see protecting systems in the body against disease and over acidity. So it's, it's really interesting what we're seeing right now with creatine. We're over 500 studies in. It's definitely anti-aging, again, protecting muscle mass and protecting these other systems. And as far as water weight gained, I know that is a concern. You can just take a smaller amount uh, spread out. So let's say you could take a gram maybe twice a day instead of taking like the five to 20 grams that most of these things recommend. It'll take a little bit longer to reach the saturation point of creatine in the muscle but that's okay. Like instead of it taking a week, it may take 30 days to hit kind of max saturation, but that's fine. If you feel you're sensitive to this water weight gain, uh, then I would just take smaller doses spread out and, you know, you'll get there eventually, um, kind of max effect, like over 30 days. And you mentioned baking soda as well. This is definitely not one that I hear talked about a lot and it's fascinating. Can you explain what you mean by that a little bit more? I mean, the most potent ergogenic, which means energy enhancing or athletic performance enhancing, but even anti-disease compound I have ever seen in research is bicarbonate. Bicarbonate is a buffer in your blood to protect you from over acidity. And it is a fascinating compound because this is a cheap compound. Sodium bicarbonate is baking soda and it's in your refrigerator or, you know, things like that. The problem is uh, it's been used a lot in athletic uh, endeavors, but it causes GI distress at, at higher amounts. So it's been, you know, looked at certain ways of kind of taking it with maybe some carbohydrate if you're a marathon runner and spreading it out. And it's just not an easy compound to figure out in terms of uh, tolerance gastrointestinally, but in terms of what it does, I have never seen any other compound come close. Like, it, like literally performance in some studies is, you know, increased by 20%, like endurance and, you know, things like this, like these are staggering numbers that, you know, even to an athlete, like 1%, 2% is a big deal. Like some of these numbers are uh, incredible. And the same we're now seeing with disease. Uh, that it's really protective against the disease process. So there's a lot more research that needs to be done, but the numbers in every study I've seen in every way that you could use it are, are pretty staggering. So there's something to this acidity and buffering capacity kind of bolstering that could happen in the body. And if someone wants to experiment, is it literally as simple as just adding a teeny bit of baking soda to water and drinking it? A hundred percent. That's it. Yep. <laughs> That's fascinating, easy, and you're right. It doesn't get much less expensive than baking soda. So it seems like it'd be worth trying. It's one I have on my list actually to try. You mentioned a couple other supplements for women specifically. Um, I don't know if you mentioned it yet, but I would love to touch on magnesium and what your thoughts are on magnesium. 75% of the population is deficient in magnesium. That's a staggering number. Three quarters of us are deficient. And when we talk about magnesium, it's critical to bone mineral density, bone health, bone strength. It's also critical to muscle mass contraction as we were just talking about. It's critical to gastrointestinal health. 
and your bowel movements. I mean, there's so many places magnesium for, for brain health and brain function for neurological function. Like magnesium is just critical across the board. And this is why, you know, pretty much D3 and magnesium are the things that you're always hearing about when it comes to just a massive impact on us and that we're most mostly deficient in it. So these are definitely two nutrients that I would look for, I would supplement with, I can almost tell you across the board, you should be taking it. Uh, whereas other nutrients, it's kind of hit or miss, but absolutely magnesium is a massive one. You wanna look at taking um, certain salts that are more bioavailable. So what this means is avoiding some of the inorganic salts that are things like magnesium oxide, magnesium carbonate. Uh, these are very poorly absorbed. So, and tend to be the cheaper ones. Uh, what I would look for is things like magnesium citrate, which is citric acid is, is one of the uh, components of the uh, citric acid cycle, also known as the Krebs cycle. Uh, same with malate. So magnesium malate could be good. But my favorite ones are the amino acid chelates. So this would be like magnesium glycinate or, you know, it has an, an amino acid attached. And these ones, magnesium threonate is another example. That's the threonine amino acid. These are going to be the most bioavailable and also have benefit with the amino acid that's attached. Are there any other supplements that are specific to either hormone health for women or that can be helpful for anti-aging? Because I know those are two big topics for my listeners. Hormone health, that's an interesting one. Um, so when it comes to, especially when you're talking about like perimenopausal kind of stuff, you can look at, there's a few herbs that are really helpful uh, if that's what you're referring to, but I'll, I'll dive into that one first. Uh, that would be like dung kwai. And another one is chasteberry. And those help with perimenopausal symptoms. And those have been studied quite extensively. Also, another uh, one to look at is GLA, gamma linoleic acid, that comes from evening primrose or borage oil. Uh, both of those oils have GLA and can help with uh, menopausal symptoms. So, you know, the hot flashes and, and disrupted sleep and irritability and, and some of these things have all been studied with GLA Dung Kwai and Chasteberry, which is also called Vitex. So those can be helpful in, in those scenarios. As far as you know, hormonal health, it's also worth looking at um, DIM and I3C, diindolmethane, methane, and um, I3C, which is uh, indole-3-carbonyl. These both come from cruciferous vegetables, things like broccoli and uh, cauliflower. Those are going to help with estrogen metabolism and specifically can be protective against cancer. And in your talk at the event where I heard you speak recently, um, you also mentioned something called spermidine, which I don't think I've talked about much on this podcast. Can you explain what that is and what it does? Yes, it's, uh, it's an amazing um, compound that um, really, it, it literally is contained in sperm, hence <laughs> its odd name. And I know it sounds not uh, pleasing for that reason, but that's where it was discovered. But this amino acid, a trace, trace level, uh, we're finding that 
you know, just one milligram, two milligrams. So we're talking about very, very low levels uh, can have a potent effect on anti-aging. When we look at people that are 90 years old, they have levels the same as people that are 50 years old that are healthy. So what this means is people that are making it to much later in life, there's a, there's a strong correlation there into having this spermidine level that's the same as people that are younger. And we're thinking that it, it actually protects cellular fitness. So the, this biological clock and your resilience in your body is correlated to spermidine. We don't know all the me mechanisms of action yet, but it's, there's a, a strong correlation and, and it's being studied. We don't really have even dosing information yet, but what we see is like, and this is across the board in animals and humans, the higher the level of spermidine, the longer that they're living. And so how that works and whether it's, you know, causal or correlative, we're not sure, but at this point, uh, there doesn't seem to be a downside to supplementing to spermidine and, and certainly a, a high potential upside. So it's one that needs a lot more research, but a powerful ingredient that I've been supplementing with for sure. And I'm, I'm taking about two milligrams a day. Awesome. That's one I have not tried yet, but it's on my list as well. I know you are also well known for your work in energy and mitochondria. And I've said many times on here, moms are the busiest people on the planet and certainly like can run into some of that fatigue or low energy just from the sheer amount of stuff that we have to do. So maybe give us some of your favorite supplements for energy and which I think always, of course, goes back to mitochondrial health as well. Yes. Yeah, so a lot of us are in states known as insufficient cellular energy. This is an acronym known as ICE, where we're not making enough energy for our body, which means we don't feel energy uh, as a whole. So when you're, when you're not making enough ATP from your mitochondria, you do run into situations where you're just tired. And then if you're pushing your body when it's tired, that's when you run into fibromyalgia and and chronic fatigue syndrome and uh, hypertonic muscles, which means like, you know, your muscles like feel hard all the time when someone goes to massage you, or, you know, you're feeling exhausted all the time because of chronic fatigue syndrome and, and you're feeling this inflammation throughout your body and, and nervous system pain, like, like fibromyalgia, because the body is trying to push and make it through without making enough energy. And over time that debt does uh, accrue. So you, know, you definitely want to be cognizant of how you're taking care of your mitochondria because that has everything to do with your vitality and energy for life. We see that mortality is directly tied to mitochondrial health. We see that biological versus chronological aging is tied to mitochondrial health. So said differently, your age chronologically, let's say you're 45, you know, could be biologically 35, or it could be biologically 55. And this is directly correlative to your mitochondrial health. And not only how well those mitochondria are functioning, but how many there are. And so the more healthy you are, the more proper they function, and the more you have of them, which is called mitochondrial biogenesis, when we create more mitochondria. So doing things like, one, healthy behaviors, like getting more sleep, not drinking as much alcohol, 
uh, hydrating well, reducing stress, but also things that are positive stressors known as hormesis. So things like keto, intermittent fasting, uh, being exposed to uh, hot and cold temperatures like a cold plunge or um, a sauna. You know, these things are going to improve mitochondrial biogenesis, doing a workout, especially like high intensity interval training, things that are forcing adaptation, things that are increasing our resilience, that are causing us to be anti-fragile, if you will, that's going to impact how well the mitochondria function and increasing the number of mitochondria. So some of those behaviors are going to be really important. And as far as supplements, that's going to be a a number of them that I'm a a big fan of. One fascinating one that I would love to throw out, if if your listeners can handle this, uh, this is niacin, the full flush niacin. I take 500 milligrams twice a day. This causes something called paresthesis, where you feel like a tingle, a burn. You actually look like you may have a sunburn on your chest or your face for a little bit for maybe 45 minutes. It sounds like something you don't want. And they do make a no flush niacin like niacinamide or a nositol hexanicotinate. But what I will say is that this full flush niacin, the nicotinic acid is powerful at uh, protecting the nervous system, increasing uh, super blood, uh, superficial blood flow, like especially through the capillaries. Uh, So this would be really powerful to take right before you get into uh, sauna, especially using uh, infrared light, but also increasing NAD levels about eight times. This is dramatic. So niacin is actually a component of NAD. NAD is probably this, you know, you've probably heard of it, the anti-aging molecule. Some people get IVs of that actually fuels the mitochondria, protects DNA, to help with resilience, to help with cellular energy and therefore vitality overall. So NAD is like one of the the big focuses in in anti-aging and niacin may be one of the most powerful agents that we could take orally that's super cheap to enhance our, our cellular fitness and how well we age. So that's a fascinating one if you can deal with the side effects. If not, there are ways that you can take supplements that can enhance NAD that would not have the same side effects. So things like NR, which is uh, niagen, true niagen, nicotinamide riboside. Uh, one of the other ones is NMN, nicotinamide mononucleotide. I prefer the NMN just based on some research. It's kind of uh, up in the air right now. There's there's people in, in different camps, but I prefer, along with Peter Atia and Dr. Rhonda Patrick, they like uh, NMN. That's the one that I prefer. So take anywhere from 250 milligrams to up to two grams a day. There's variable research. Some of this is extrapolated from animal models, but that is potent at increasing uh, NAD as well. Far more expensive, uh, but does not have the side effects. But I would also say probably doesn't have as dramatic an impact on NAD. Certainly helps, but um, the the niacin could be the most effective and the cheapest, but certainly the most side effects. The other thing that I will say is that increasing NAD is one part of the the equation, 
but reducing something called NADase, the enzyme that breaks it down, it's also called CD38, is potent as well because you're increasing the amount of NAD circulating. And as we age, it's a double whammy where we make less NAD and we break it down faster. So we want to impact both sides of this equation. So where we're taking niacin, NMN, uh, NR, something like that, and you're having polyphenols such as quercetin, fisetin, apigenin. These are probably the most potent ones that I've studied. And these are going to inhibit the breakdown of NAD. So this would be a really potent combination. It's taking something like NMN and fisetin. Fisetin could be the most potent of all of them. So that's, that's a combination that I really like for anti-aging. On top of that, I would also look at, uh, there's some things that help with um, these, these energetics, the electron transport chain in particular in the mitochondria. You probably heard of CoQ10 um, and also another ingredient that's a sister molecule called PQQ. Uh, so those would be some things to support mitochondrial health that I would take as well. So probably my stack of no tingle or burn, if you wanted to go that direction, the simplest stack would be NMN, fisetin or apigenin, and then CoQ10 and PQQ. That would be a really amazing mitochondrial stack. And then lastly, go back to spermidine, which I believe protects the mitochondria in a number of ways. And then there's one more ingredient, another uh, trace amino acid that's found in organ meats and mushrooms that could be the next vitamin, which is a really big deal. In the last 50 years, there's been new, no new vitamins. And this ingredient is called ergothionine. And ergothionine isn't just an antioxidant that protects the cell, but it's a mitochondrial antioxidant. And what's really unique about it is you have a unique transporter system and storage system for it in your body. There's only one other nutrient I know that your body puts that much focus around biologically, and that's iron. And iron is obviously critical to life and delivering oxygen and, and nourishing us on a, on a fundamental level. So for us to have these systems in place around ergothionine, it's pretty compelling. And that one is really low dose too. So we're talking about, you know, five to 10 milligrams a day. So spermidine, ergothionine, NMN, or niacin, uh, CoQ10, PQQ, and then fisetin, apigenin, that, that would be kind of like my ultimate mitochondrial stack. But what you should see from that is anti-aging on an energetic level, uh, anti-aging on a telomere and DNA level, and just more energy overall uh, for and vitality overall. And then re reduction of, of disease, really, like um, almost all disease is correlated to mitochondrial dysfunction, which is, which is metabolic dysfunction. So that ends up tying into insulin resistance and a number of factors that, that you could talk about, like hypertension, basically the syndrome X cluster uh, that comes with like obesity and insulin resistance, et cetera. So hopefully that's helpful. Yeah, I feel like ergothionine is a less known one, and it's one I learned about from you. And this comes from mushrooms, correct? Mm -hmm, correct. 
Okay. And that one is available in supplemental form or is it better to try to get from a food source? It is available in supplemental form. It's hard to find in a, in a food source at a, a decent enough level, but if you're eating plenty of organ meats and, and a high amount of mushrooms, you might be getting enough. Gotcha. Okay. That's fascinating. This episode is sponsored by Onnit. That's O-N-N-I-T. You know those times when you're so into what you're doing that you can't think about anything else? The times when you're at your most focused and productive? Psychologists call that feeling of being in the zone, they call it flow state. And Alpha Brain from Onnit is the ultimate way to get there. It's a world-renowned nootropic supplement with over 1 million bottles sold. And Alpha Brain promotes cognitive functions, including memory, mental speed, and focus. It can help you remember names, zero in on complex tasks, and think more clearly under stress, which is what I find it most helpful for. Alpha Brain contains amino acids and plant compounds that promote the brain's release of alpha waves, which are associated with greater creativity and productivity. At the same time, it supports neurotransmitters, which are chemicals that relay information in and from the brain. In coffee and energy drinks that make you jittery, you can rest easy knowing that Alpha Brain is caffeine free. And if for any reason you don't like Alpha Brain, you get your money back. Just give them two weeks. If at any point you don't feel like it's a fit for you, just tell them why and they'll refund you on the spot, no return necessary. And right now you can save 30% on Alpha Brain when you go to onnit.com slash wellnessmama. That's O-N-N-I-T dot com slash wellnessmama. And the discount is built in at that link. This podcast is brought to you by Inside Tracker. I'm loving this because we now have access to more data about our health than we ever had, but sometimes it's hard to know what to do with all the data. And that's why Inside Tracker provides you with a personalized plan to build strength, speed, recovery, and optimize your health for the long haul based on your own data. It's created by leading scientists in aging, genetics, and biometrics. And Inside Tracker analyzes your blood, your DNA, and your fitness tracking data to identify where you're optimized and where you're not. You get a daily action plan with personalized guidance on the right exercise, nutrition, and supplements for your body. And when you connect Inside Tracker with your Fitbit or your Garmin, you'll also unlock real-time recovery pro chips after you complete a workout. It's like having a personal trainer and a nutritionist in your pocket to interpret all that data and give you recommendations that are best for you. And for a limited time, you can get 20% off everything in the Inside Tracker store. Just go to insidetracker.com slash wellnessmama. That's insidetracker.com slash wellnessmama. Are there any supplements that women should kind of as a blanket rule avoid or that have been, you know, kind of marketed that are not helpful or directly probably harmful? You know, I think the ones that are potentially the most complex when it comes to a woman would be phytoestrogens, things like uh, hops, which is, by the way, high in, in beer, which, you know, can have some complexity depending on how much beer you're drinking. And, and what I'll get to in a second is kind of where you're at on the, on the um, menstrual uh, cycle, but also things like soy, especially the isoflavone soy protein. These are potent phytoestrogens and they have very conflicting results in studies. So what can happen is these phytoestrogens are weak estrogens and they're competing at the estrogen receptor. And if you're someone that is postmenopausal, this can end up being protective because you're at least getting a weak estrogen and you have much lower estrogen levels that are circulating. 
So it can be protective to bone. It can be protective against cancer. The problem is having a high amount of these phytoestrogens early on, especially in development, uh, when we're talking about our children, when we're talking about going through puberty, when we're talking about fertility, you know, through that period, uh, some of these phytoestrogens, especially in concentrated amounts, can end up being problematic and may cause endocrine disruption. And this is the same for, uh, you know, young boys as well. Um, you know, it can have an impact on, on muscle mass and secondary sexual characteristics as well. So it's something to be aware of. They often get promoted for health and anti-cancer and protecting bone. And while some of that data is true, I would be very careful in like how you proceed in that. I think they get over-recommended and they can end up being problematic. Good to know. And I'd also love to just touch on sunlight because you mentioned vitamin D. And I think, at least in my opinion, sunlight has kind of been unfairly demonized over the last several decades, especially. And of course, we know that your body gets vitamin D from sunlight exposure. And of course, that there can be risk there as well. I know I have some gene mutations that make it hard for me to get vitamin D levels up from supplements, but I do it really well from sunshine. And just purely anecdotally, I know I feel incredibly great when I get a lot of sun exposure and I don't feel as great when I'm not getting sun exposure. But I'm curious your take on the sun exposure thing, because I think a lot of women avoid sun exposure almost entirely, wear sunscreen all the time. Um, so what's your take on that from an aging perspective, from a mitochondrial health perspective, anything else we need to know? Yeah, that's twofold. I, I think you bring up a good point about obviously conversion um, of vitamin D3 through the skin um, so that you get active levels of, of vitamin D in your body. The best source is going to be sunshine. So absolutely. And, and we know vitamin D3 isn't, we used to think it was just for bone, right? Like I think back in the seventies and eighties, it was promoted as this vitamin that prevents rickets and, and helps with bone health. And it does, but it is a hormone. And it's a unique vitamin for that reason. It's not just a vitamin, a coenzyme, like most of the other vitamins. It is a hormone that's involved in this endocrine cascade that I was just talking about, where all hormones affect other hormones. And so it affects your immune health. It affects your mood and depression. It affects your fat metabolism and, um, you know, therefore your uh, body weight and it affects like your muscle mass and certainly your bone mass and it affects gut health and your microbiome. Like there's so much going on with vitamin D. It's so profound and fundamental, almost like I was talking about iron for life. Like D3 is like core for how you're proceeding as a human being and the, and the health that you have. So this is where, and, and what's especially troubling is that as you're talking about, most people are now not getting enough sunshine and they are wearing, you know, a lot of clothing layers and they're, you know, living in more Northern areas um, and they're, you know, not exposing themselves to sun and, and they're wearing, um, as you said, uh, sunblock. And so, or, or even just makeup and all those things, like those things are reducing your exposure to sunlight and therefore reducing the amount of vitamin D that you're getting. And if you're a darker color person, you're like, especially like African-Americans, they're 17 times more likely to be deficient than white people because, you know, they're just not getting enough sunshine and their skin has the melanin 
that's kind of more protective or resistant against the amount of sun exposure. So it's almost like they're wearing sunblock uh, to have a darker skin because the melanin pigmentation. So they need to get more sunshine or take more vitamin D3 as a supplement. So I would recommend that pretty much everyone listening take anywhere from five to 10,000 IUs a day of vitamin D3 because it is so profound to our health. Uh, and most people are not getting enough. It's, it's similar numbers to uh, magnesium where about 75 to 80% of us are deficient. Um, and some of us greatly. So um, I think it's about 25% of the population are kind of in a, an almost like a disease category type state uh, with vitamin D3. So definitely important, but going beyond that, the sunshine that we get also uh, there is different uh, spectra of light and going into infrared in particular, that red light we know now there's so many uh, spectrum of light that we do not understand how it impacts our health, but it's a whole new area of study. I believe that, you know, you'll hear about you know, obviously blue light can turn on our circadian rhythm in the morning. So blue, blue light exposure is good. Blue light exposure in the evening is counterproductive and, and can be counterproductive to our sleep and certainly melatonin release. But we're seeing that red light, uh, especially infrared light, that you may get early evening and early morning uh, with the sunrise and the sunset, that actually... Uh, increases mitochondrial function. So that's, and that's like the whole idea with like these juve lights and, and um, these different lights that you're seeing uh, on the market, these infrared lights, they're actually uh, revving up the mitochondria. So this is a powerful anti-aging tool. It's also improving circulation, reducing inflammation, improving reproductive health, like we're seeing improving collagen synthesis. So there's a number of ways that, that red light can be potently helpful. And again, blue light turning on our circadian rhythm. So this is what's happening when we're isolated, when we're under fluorescent lights, when we're not getting out and getting sunshine, we're not getting enough D3. We're not revving up our mitochondria. You know, we're, we're not getting enough collagen synthesis. There's a lot that's happening because we're not getting exposed to the light that we should. Yeah, that was such a good overview. And I know looking at the data, I've, even though I typically might background is kind of Irish Scottish. So I have typically fairer skin, although I've noticed a profound difference in my skin tone when I switch my diet and I eat kind of a very low inflammatory diet. I don't sunburn now, but I looking at the data realized that while there might, and I would say it's arguable, be a slight increase in risk of skin cancer from certain types of sun exposure, that that same sun exposure correlates or seems to with reduced rates of other types of cancer and with mitochondrial health and everything else. So for me personally, this is not medical advice, but I prioritize early morning sunlight in the morning to start that circadian clock. And then at least a little bit of midday sun, never to the point of burning, but enough to stimulate that vitamin D and that bright light also seems really helpful for sleep, at least for me. A hundred percent. Totally agree with that. Especially, yeah. Agreed with, you know, getting out there, getting your red light, starting your day, getting the fresh air. Also, like if you can ground, taking your shoes off, having your feet touch the earth, you can get those positive ions going through your body that are, that are helping you uh, improve your health. And then certainly getting, you know, fresh air, moving your body, especially if you can do like some, um, you know, primal 
ancestral kind of movement, crawling around, rolling around. Like, and you know, there's also the soil microbiome that you're getting exposed to. If, if you're out in the dirt, out in the grass, out in the lake, you know, whatever it is, like, you know, get outside and expose yourself to, to the outside where we're meant to be. We're not meant to be in our little boxes with our shoes on, with our artificial light and artificial air and, you know, isolating ourselves from other people, from animals, from interaction. Uh, we're meant to be exchanging microbiomes with the earth, with people, with pets. Uh, this is how we're supposed to be resilient. And we're becoming very fragile as a result of not getting exposed to that. Such a good way to put it. And I love that, like to recap some of the points from this episode, certainly there are supplements we can take that can be targeted and specific and helpful, but a lot of your advice is also lifestyle change that we can make that's inexpensive or free. And so things like optimizing your light, things like getting out in the dirt. I'm a big fan of, that's actually one of my top pieces of health advice. Go outside at midday if you can and garden for 10 minutes in the dirt, crawl around, pull weeds. You're getting sunlight, air, soil, all of that. Also the baking soda tip was awesome because that's almost free. And then optimizing protein to circle all the way back to the beginning. And then of course, the more specific nuanced recommendations. I took so many notes, the show notes, wellnessmama.fm for you guys listening. And as always with you, conversations just fly by. So we'll have to do more rounds in the future. But a few last wrap-up questions, the first being any book or books that have profoundly impacted your life or recent reads that you found fascinating, and if so, what they are and why. Uh, the number one book that has impacted my life without a doubt is The Four Agreements. That shifted everything for me, and in, in particular, uh, the agreement of don't take anything personal. Um, I am a very empathic person. Uh, like someone who perceives energy very deeply and, and cares about how I'm perceived and, and what's going on in your head. And, and I, that's just where I'm at emotionally. And therefore I care deeply about, you know, what's being said about me, what's being thought about me. And I think I took that too personally, most of my life and reading that book really shifted that uh, almost everyone's kind of in their own stuff, you know? So, you know, don't get too caught up in that. Don't take anything personal. You know, people are just projecting out. But what I want to do is be projecting out all the positive things that are going on inside of me. And, you know, when I've worked with certain therapists or, or mentors, they've told me that, you know, the compliments that you're giving people are actually compliments to yourself, when you think about it on a deeper level, they're the things that you see in other people. So check out your language when you're thinking about people, when you're talking about people, uh, when you're saying all these negative things all the time, there's stuff going on in you. And I've been in journeys and I've been irritated or triggered by something going on in a journey, a group journey. And this is a psychedelic experience that's facilitated. And the facilitator would come over and say, hmm, tell me about that. And we'd dig in for a minute and then I'd realize, oh, this is me. This is, this has everything to do with me. I'm being triggered because it's my own stuff. It's not this person. And uh, there's, there's a fascinating exploration that can happen there. But stage one is realizing that most people don't really uh, care about you on an extended level. Uh, that these people that are just running around out in the world don't care about what you're doing, how you look, all that stuff. We spend way too much time and energy thinking about that. 
and focusing on what makes me happy and what lights me up is a way better place to be. And if you think about the people that you love out there, it's that they're so bold and courageous to do that. And so I would encourage people listening to definitely just do them to live their, their, their light, their, you know, their energy and just chase what their passions are and don't worry what other people are thinking. I love that. I love that we started kind of deep with self-love and that we're getting to put a pin in it with another profound thought. And I know that I've talked to you before on this podcast, I'll link to your past episodes, but about your book, which I highly recommend because you go deeper on a lot of these topics, but just briefly, where can people find your book and where can people find you online to keep learning from you? Thank you. Um, So energy formula at energyformula.com. The book is there in all the forms. I have a hardcover, softcover, ebook, audible that I read. And if you go to energyformula.com, there is a lot of bonuses there like recipe guides. And uh, there's a hidden chapter on natural movement. I have all the stacks in here, uh, all the supplements that you need to take, how to buy a good supplement tons of, um, you know, graphs and pictures and really cool stuff that breaks everything down. I have summaries at the end of each chapter. If you're not someone that wants to read this much, so everything's in there that you could possibly need. Um, And then you can find me at Sean Wells, S H A W N W E L L S at Sean Wells on Instagram. Lots of great content there, you know, really cool graphics that just break everything down you know, my top 10 supplements you need to be taking, my top 10 antidepressant supplements, anti-aging supplements, you know, what have you, a lot of videos that break things down. So yeah, that would be amazing. And, uh, and then I have a free newsletter that goes out every week, breaking down studies and the latest information that's completely free um, on seanwells.com, S-H-A-W-N. Awesome. And all those will be linked in the show notes as well. If you guys are listening while you're on the go, that's wellnessmama.fm. Sean, as always, it's been such a pleasure. I always learn so much from you and I know just how busy you are. So thank you so much for your time today. Oh, thank you, Katie. And thanks as always to all of you for listening and sharing your most valuable resources, your time, your energy, and your attention with us today. We're both so grateful that you did. And I hope that you will join me again on the next episode of the Wellness Mama podcast. If you're enjoying these interviews, would you please take two minutes to leave a rating or review on iTunes for me? Doing this helps more people to find the podcast, which means even more moms and families can benefit from the information. I really appreciate your time and thanks as always for listening.